0: Welcome to Living the Good Life Podcast, where we bring you messages, thoughts, and advice for living the good life. Today's message is brought to us by Brother Larry Dishman. Turn with me to St. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'd like to speak to you just for a little while on the subject, four things that God does not know. And I know immediately when I announce a subject like this that there's many in the audience who will say, wait a minute, God knows everything. And I know that's true in the real sense of the word. But I believe if you'll consider with me just for a little while, you'll agree uh, that there's four things that God does not know. First of all, God does not know a sin that he does not hate. God made Ab and Eve and placed them in the garden long ago. And it was because of sin and rebellion against God that they were cast out of that garden. And if you've got sin in your life, though God loves you, God hates the sin that's got you bound. There's a lot of things today that the world smiles upon, but the Bible calls sin. And even though these are labored faults and failures and weaknesses or drives, there's no innocent sin, because the Bible says that all unrighteousness is sin. Now today, we have a hard time imagining God's wrath against sin because we've never seen the fullness of God's wrath unleashed on sin. Here upon this earth, God's wrath is tempered by his mercy, but there's nothing to protect or insulate people in hell from the fierce unrestrained wrath of God. So God's fierce wrath against sin is as much a reflection of his character as his love. The Bible says in Romans 1 and verse number 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. It was God's hatred towards sin that caused him to destroy the world in Noah's day. God said, I'm going to destroy man that I have made. God did not spare the old world and their sin. My friend, it was God's hatred towards sin that caused him to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God's displeasure can reach a boiling point when sin reaches an intolerable level. I believe we're approaching that time. In the United States, in America, sin is reaching an intolerable level. As Sodom and Gomorrah, what happens when God has his fill of sin? Genesis thirteen, thirteen. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And then my friend, many today are living in sin and they're breaking the laws of god's word and they seemingly think they're getting by with it but God is going to bring all sin into judgment according to the Bible. I mean, all you got to do is ask Joseph how God feels about the sin of jealousy. Ask Joseph's brother. Ask Nebuchadnezzar how God feels about the sin of pride. Ask Demas In the word of God, how God feels about worldliness. You can ask, my friend, different ones, ask the church at Laodicean how God feels about lukewarmness. I mean, God really does hate all sin. The Bible says, Romans 6, verse 16. These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, a feet that be swift in running to shed mischief, a witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. There's no sin. That God does not hate. Romans six twenty-three, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The soul that sinneth, the Bible says, it shall die. Romans six seven be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man sowed, that shall he also reap. Friend, it was your sin. It was my sin that nailed the son of God to the cross that plaited that crown of thorns upon his head that drove those cruel nails in his hands and in his feet my friend as we think about this surely we're ready to say if sin could do a thing like that then I'm going to turn my back on sin forever so somebody said but I believe that God loves me. I believe that's true. But you know what? God loves us the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. It's his will to save us and to change our lives and make new people out of us. And the second thing, God does not know of a better plan of salvation. God came up with the best plan. And it's a wonderful plan. In the book of Acts the fourth chapter and verse number 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I mean, there's no salvation in the Pope. There's no salvation in the preacher. There's no salvation in church membership. There's no salvation in water baptism. Thank God, the only salvation that a man can have is in Christ Jesus. And my friend, it's not a hard plan, it's not complicated, the Bible says, the wayfaring man, though fool, shall not err therein. It's not hard to be saved if you wanna be saved. The Bible just simply says an individual in the book of Luke, the 14th chapter, must sit down and count the cost. Now I know there's an old saying, you get what you pay for. And that holds true in religion the same as other things. Good religion is not cheap and cheap religion is not good. You've got to give up that sin that God hates in order to truly be saved. So it's been said many times that salvation is free, discipleship costs, but it pays to serve Jesus. Repentance is the second requirement. Counting the cost, first of all. And then an individual must repent. Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. God can and will and only forgive to the extent of our repentance. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7.10, for godly sorrow. That's the kind that it takes, not worldly saw, but godly saw worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, amen, but the soul of the world worketh death. Repentance is more than a change of mind, it's more than a change of heart, it's a change of action. And so then the next requirement is believing. I'm talking about this perfect plan of salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. In dozens of scriptures throughout the Bible, salvation is promised to the individual that will truly repent. Just like the Philippian jailer said, What must I do to be saved? And he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then the Bible talks about confessing in Romans 10, verse number 9, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The third thing that God does not know, the all-wise God, the all-knowing God, he does not know of a better time for you to get saved than this morning. Proverbs 21, 7 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day might bring forth. Proverbs 29 verse number 1 said, He that being often reproved and hardened its neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the third chapter and verse number 7, Wherefore has the Holy Ghost said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Then to bring it down even closer, 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now at the present time, at the very time the command is given, is the time we must move and not wait until tomorrow. All of God's commands relate to this day, to the very passing moment. God does not require an individual to repent and turn to him five years from now. But today is the day of salvation. The fourth thing we want to talk to you about. God does not know a sinner that he does not love. I mean, he loves every one of them. God knows every sinner. God knows every one of us. And he does not know a sinner That he does not love. If you're here without God, regardless of where you've been, what you've done, God loves you. No matter how deep in sin you may be, no matter how far you've gone, God still loves you. Bible says in Romans 5 and verse number 6, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of the Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Thank God he loved us when we were unlovable. Ephesians 2 and verse number 4 says, For God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. When did he love us? When, even when we were dead in sins, hath a quickness together with Christ by grace are you saved. Toward whom is this love exercised? Friend, all beings of the human race. Friend, we are to regard Jesus of having loved each one of us personally, even when we was out in the depths of sin. We often think to give a friend a great sum of money is to show evidence of strong love. But what is any sum of money compared to God giving his only begotten son that we could have life and have it more abundantly? He loved us. Because, my friend, not because we were lovable, he loved us because he was loved. He proved that love upon the cross. When Christ hung and bled and died, he was saying to the world, He was saying to you, friend, I love you. Now, there was a husband many years ago, and a wife. They were unable to have a child. They waited for a long time for a child through the adoption agency. And when that finally transpired, they had a celebration. They called their family, their friends, and their neighbors to come over to their house and rejoice with them over the fact that they had become newly adopted parents. When that mother took her visitors into the bedroom and they looked into that crib and there they saw a helpless cripple. And they began to say, well, that little baby will never be able to care for himself. He'll always have to be attended to. And one of them went so far as to say, why, you didn't need that little baby. And tears begin to weld up in that mother's eyes. And she said, I know, but he sure did need me. And that's the way I feel about God. God didn't need me. God really didn't need you. But he saw how desperately we needed him. And because he so desperately loved us, he was willing to give us son to die for us that we could have life and have life more abundantly. God who hung the sun in space every morning causes those gates of the east to open, allow that sun to illuminate the heavens And he closes those gates each evening. That same God that causes the stars and the moon, the planets to revolve in their orbit. He does all this without my assistance. He does all this without your assistance. He really didn't need us, but we desperately needed him. Because he's love. God does not know a sinner that he does not love. There was a pastor that pastored the same church for 24 years. And there was a dear saint of God in his congregation, a sister, that was married to a godless rascal. And this man would go out and get drunk at least one weekend out of the month. He would go out and get on a binge, and then he'd come home and he'd kick the children around. He'd beat his wife without mercy. Now, I'm not saying anybody has to put up with this type of abuse but this lady really loved her husband in spite of all these things. But the pastor become weary with it. He says that he began to despise that man. One day This pastor said he was in his study and someone knocked on the door and said, you better go down there. Said he come home in the wee hours of the morning. He's almost killed her. He almost beat her to death. He says as he drove over there and as he was walking up the driveway, he was thinking, why don't he pick on a man? Why does he have to be like this with anger and? Almost animosity in his heart and a teenage girl met him out in the yard and said, Please convince my mommy that she has to leave daddy and divorce him. He said, That's exactly what I intend to do. When he stepped inside the house, a young teenage boy uh, met him again with tears in his eyes and said, Please convince mommy that she has to leave daddy we can't go on living like this anymore and he said he walked in the bedroom and there she lay her lips were cut by her teeth being pushed through by a cruel fist her nose looked like it was broken her eyes were tightly swollen shut. Her hair was matted down in her face, glued there with dried blood. And he said he took a bloody hand. And she began to try to motion her lips and said, Pastor, can I say something before you say anything? And he said, sure. You go ahead and say whatever you want to say. Because he thought that she was going to say, I'm finished. But instead, she said, you know, one day I stood at the altar. I was asked, do you take this man to be your wedded husband for better? For worse, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. And she said, "I said yes. And I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. I don't ask you to understand it, but I still love him. That preacher." Said he had never been so lovingly rebuked in all of his life. And he prayed with the lady and he went back to his study and he got down on his knees and he began to pray and say, God, I have saw love personified today. And he said he watched the effects of that love. And in less than six months, She won her husband to the Lord. What did that? Love did it. That man did not deserve that type of love. But she loved him anyway. We that are here this morning, we never deserved the love of God. We didn't deserve the mercy of God. But he loved us when we were unlovable thank God for Jesus Christ our God 2,000 years ago looked down upon this whole sin-cursed world and he saw how sick this world was it was more sick than Peter's wife who had a devastating fever our world was more sick than Naaman the captain of the Assyrian host who had leprosy, our world was more sick than that man that cut himself and dwelt among the tombs. Our world was more sick, my friend, than the lady with the issue of blood that sought many physicians and rather grew worse. So about 2,000 years ago, God got up one morning and he walked through his rose garden and he plucked a beautiful bouquet it was made up of the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. And he took that bouquet and he wrapped it in the soft tissue of heaven. And before he sent it to this world, he simply wrote out a little card and pinned it to that soft tissue. And the card simply said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life God loves you God cares about you God's willing to forgive you my question to you in closing do you have no heart to appreciate the dying love of the Son of God Can you possibly go on and on yet more when you know the love that was shown to you on Calvary? Yes, dear ones, your life, if you'll be honest with me, lacks purpose. Your life lacks fulfillment. Possibly some of you came into this service with an emptiness in your heart. Your life lacks fulfillment. You've sought for peace. You've sought for happiness in many different directions. Many times, no doubt, you thought that you were almost to what you'd been searching for and then it vanished away. Possibly at night, you've stayed awake while other family members were asleep and you've, you've deafened your pillow with the tears from your eyes. And you've asked yourself the question is this all there is to life can't there be more will it always be this way will it ever be better it can be better because jesus is what you've been searching for in closing listen to me someday sometime some place everybody is going to touch down in eternity. We're going to do it. And I asked you, if you would touch down in eternity this morning, would God be there to turn on the landing lights? Would Jesus be standing there to welcome you home? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you can't answer yes to that question, once not you find a place to pray? Ask God into your heart and life. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you found this message helpful, please share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Messenger, or your favorite social media. If you have questions or suggestions, please message us on Facebook by searching Living the Good Life Show. A big thank you to Sister Rachel Fowler for all of her editing expertise. Until next time, keep living the good life.